bring a message this morning that's entitled Feelings That You'll Never Forget. Last Sunday, I preached a message. You can go back and look at it online if you'd like, if you were not here, on two symbols, the symbols that you'll never forget. Well, today I want to bring a message that's entitled The Feelings That You'll Never Forget. In Matthew chapter 28 and verses 1 through 10, or actually throughout the entire chapter, there's, there's the verses or the verses that remind us of what took place on that Easter morning, that first Easter morning. And it begins in verse 1 of Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were shaken with fear of him that they, that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, do not be afraid because I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has been resurrected just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will find him there. Listen, I've told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. And just then Jesus met them and said, good morning. They came up, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and there you will see me. You know, it's kind of interesting. You look at this passage of scripture. First of all, I kind of chuckle at the fact that the, the ladies come to the tomb that, that morning and they found an angel propped up on a stone, just kind of sitting there say, you know, kind of like, hmm, what are you really doing here? Did you not listen to the guy? You've been with him for three and a half years. Did, did, did something not sink in? Why are you seeking the, the living among the dead? Why are you here? It's almost as if he's putting his stamp that says death has been defeated. The grave is empty and Jesus is alive. And then we kind of chuckle when the women leave the scene and begin to go quickly to go find the disciples. Jesus says, good morning. <laughs> it's like, whoa. So let's think about these feelings for just a moment. And I trust that it's the same feelings that you'll have every Sunday for the rest of your life. The early disciples witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yet they could not forget the open tomb, the pierced hands, and the wounded side. Yet the powerful and profound effect that Christ had on the disciples during his time and day on the face of the earth is the same profound effect that he has on his disciples today. And yet the people who went to the tomb on that first Easter morning testify to the power of the resurrection. And they were in awe and they were in wonder. They were, they were so strucken, stricken by what had taken place that it affected them deep within them. This sermon reminds us to revisit that empty tomb, to revisit it every Sunday and remember the wonder of it all. 
In Bill Moyer's book, A World of Ideas, Jacob Needleman remembers, he says, I was at Zerber at the launch of Apollo 17 in 1975. It was a launch there where hundreds of cynical reporters were gathering on the lawn, drinking beer, wisecracking, and just waiting for this 35-foot story tall rocket to shoot off in the sky. The countdown began. The launch began. The first thing you see is the extraordinary orange light that's coming from the rocket, which is just at the limit of what you can bear to even look at with the naked eye. Everything is illuminated by the light. Then comes this thing slowly rising. It seems like it's in silence because it takes a few seconds for the sound to actually catch up to what's taking place. And then you hear the whoosh, and it just enters right through you. You can practically hear jaws dropping, the sense of wonder, the sense of awe, of watching this huge rocket with human beings inside the rocket leave earth and go off into the sky. It becomes like stars as you watch it just fade away. And then there's total silence. What do you think it would have been like to observe the resurrection of Jesus on that day? If maybe some entrepreneur would have come up with the idea because of his deep faith and hearing what Jesus said, established some bleachers right there on the outside of the tomb and then gave them all the first look at the tomb. What, could, what, would have, what we could have only imagined if all that would have been recorded on all the cell phones if they had them during that time. I suspect that they would have been, it would have been something like Jacob Needleman described on that launch. My guess is that people who arrived who may have been cynical, doubting, casual, or even calloused would find themselves with jaws dropped open and sitting in silence at the wonder of it all, at the awesomeness that a grave is now empty, once occupied, but now empty that a dead man is now walking the streets of Jerusalem and going to Galilee. Something of a wonder and an ecstasy that must have filled everyone who could possibly watch. Feelings that you'll never forget. The resurrection of Jesus himself is ironically never described in Scripture of how it actually occurred. The only one we, we think of is the angel may have gotten a little bit of a glimpse of some white garment going by. It's interesting that, that the angel did not remove the stone to let Jesus out. He removed the stone to let the women in. The power of God that was manifested that day happened before the tomb was ever opened. And so that's why the angel sat on the tomb and he did so with his stamp saying, we have defeated death. Hell and the grave is defeated. So 
this effect of Easter. What is the effects of Easter? Let me give you a few things to think about of Easter's effects. First of all, I ask this question. Does the resurrection affect you? In Matthew chapter 28, verse 2, it says, then, then suddenly there was a violent earthquake. So as we think about what the resurrection does and how it affects us, think of it this way. The earth itself felt its effects. The earth itself affected, was affected by what was taking place. And the scripture says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake. It shook. It reeled. It rocked. The ground quaked. The rocks erupted. The earth cracked. The olive trees in the garden waved their twisted limbs. Nature was aroused. The earth trembled at the sorrow of the crucifixion, but it leaped for joy at the resurrection. The quake attests to the cosmic significance of God moving the earth because of the resurrection. So we know that the earth is affected by the resurrection. We know that the angels were affected by the resurrection. It says in Matthew 28, verses 2 and 3, suddenly as that earthquake happened, it went on to say that, that as the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb, he rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning. His robe was as white as snow. Just like an action hero on a Saturday morning cartoon. Shafts of lightning blazed from this angel. It was blinding to just look at him. His clothes like new fallen snow. He rolled away the, the stone, as we said, to not, to not let Jesus out, but to let the women in. And he sat on the rock that had been rolled away, the triumph of the completed work of God and signifying exactly what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So we know the angels were affected by the resurrection. The guards were affected by the resurrection. It says in Matthew 28 verse 4 that we read, the guards were shaken with fear of him that they became like dead men. They stood as corpse. They shook in their sandals longer than the earth underneath those sandals. The ones keeping watch over the dead became as dead. They were scared stiff. So we know, according to Scripture, the earth was affected. We know, according to Scripture, the angels were affected. We know, according to Scripture, that the guards were affected. And fourth of all, we know in Scripture, based on Matthew 28, verse 1, that the women were affected. After the Sabbath, the first day of the week, it says, as it was dawning, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to view the tomb, and they found an empty tomb. We know that the women were affected. And so when you ask the question, what was affected at the resurrection? The women came to anoint the body with spices to give more of an appropriate embalming. In route, I'm sure they were concerned, who's going to be there to roll away the stone so that we can get in to do our thing? And on seeing the stone rolled away from the opening, hearing the angel proclaim that Jesus was not present, that he was alive, gave them that sense of awe. 
gave them that sense of wonder. Their jaws dropped open and they stood there in silence, filled with wonder, filled with joy over the good news that the resurrection became their message to share to all the world. Everyone present felt the effect of the resurrection. Whoosh! And it went right through them. What effect does the resurrection have on you? How has the resurrection changed you? What's your thought process this morning as you woke up early and you began to experience your resurrection in Christ? How has it affected you? So does the resurrection affect you? A second question I want to ask is does the resurrection move you? Can we celebrate Easter and not be moved? Can we still have the world as it was yesterday in our lives? We want to come to church on Easter. We want to sing the the soul-inspiring songs or the hymns. We want to eat lunch with our family or our friends. We want to hunt eggs with our children and still our world unwrought by the resurrection. We are amazingly well adjusted to the same old world. I think this is why Matthew reminds us that the whole earth shook on that Easter morning. That Luke records the Easter meal on a Sunday evening with the risen Lord with his disciples. John has the resurrected Jesus in encountering Mary and Magdalene in the garden. But what about Matthew? Why is it significant? Suddenly, there was that violent earthquake because the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, approached the tomb, rolled back the stone, and was sitting on it. Easter is an earthquake with a stone rolled away from a tomb and a dead person walking the streets and a prudent angel sitting on the stone. That was a ruckus in the day. One pastor tells when pastoring in Indiana, sitting in a committee meeting one night, that the church began to shake. There's a little bit of a rumbling, of, sounded like thunder, and everything began to shake. Obviously, everybody in the committee meeting, it got their attention. So they got up and they went outside to see what shook the building. And then they learned later it was a tremor, a minor earthquake. You see, Easter is an earthquake that shook the whole world and it got the attention of the entire world. On the cross, the world did all it could do to Jesus. At Easter, God did all he could do to the world and the earth shook. You don't explain it, you experience it. You feel it. It goes right through you. Whoosh. And it hits you. Easter is a change that happens on the inside of each of us. In 1950, there was a devastating earthquake in China. As a result of the quake, a huge boulder dislodged a part of the mountain, thus exposing the great cache of wonderful artifacts from a thousand years before. A new world became visible. When the stone was rolled away from the entombed Jesus, the earth shook and we got our glimpse of a new world. 
that he has the power to raise those who are walking dead. He has the power to bring life to the lifeless. He has the power to bring hope to the hopeless, to provide whatever is needed for anybody searching on the face of the earth. Why? Because the resurrection power is made readily available for you and me today. All because that tomb is empty. The soldier shook, not because the ground was rumbling. The angel plopped himself down on the stone as one final act of defiance against death. And he said to the women, do not be afraid. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And yet, nobody went back the same after experiencing that day, that resurrection. Does it affect you? Does it affect me? If not, maybe we need to check our spiritual pulse. Maybe we've been living too long in the in-between of Good Friday and Easter morning. Maybe it's time to see and feel the resurrection all over again. Maybe it's time to let God shake our world. Maybe it's time to allow God to do something anew within us, to roll away the stone from the cold, hardened heart that we may have and experience the love and the power of Jesus Christ all over again. So does the resurrection move you? Does the resurrection affect you? And a third question is does the resurrection touch you? Easter not only moves us, it touches us deep down inside us. We encounter God's wonder. That feeling of surprise, the all arousal that comes within because of something strange and unexpected that happened in the world. Quickly, they left the tomb with great fear and great joy. The fear of reverence and great joy. They were astonished. They went to the tomb expecting to find a dead man to embalm. Instead, they found an empty tomb and Jesus was alive and one to be worshipped. And when Jesus says, good morning to those women, the first thing they do is they fall to their knees and they begin to worship him. The resurrection of Christ incites our worship. It brings us closer to the Christ. One can't experience Easter without its wonder. The trouble is that we don't feel that wonder anymore. Wonder's rare as we grow older because we've experienced it, done that, been there. It just becomes a natural thing. Every year goes by. Were people saturated today, more so now because of this pandemic, based on analysis, science, explanations, and experiences, and we forgot about faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we live, with, we live that faith in him and for him. G.K. Chesterman wrote, The world will never starve for the want of wonders, but only for want of wonder. It's that wonder and mystery of the resurrection that we want. And once we experience the most lavished purchase, the most thrilling experience that we could ever have can never substitute the wonder and the experience of the resurrected power. As a 15-year-old boy, 
I went into a church not knowing what to expect. On August 16th of 1981, sitting in the very back pew, the furthest I could sit away, not knowing what was going to happen. And as the message was preached and the invitation given, the challenge and affirmation given, then I heard that call. I heard for the first time God loves me. I heard for the first time that there was something I needed to give up in order to experience this Christ. And I remember coming down the aisle during the altar calls. People were lined up at the altar praying. And the pastor met me at the, the, end of the, the end of the aisle or the beginning of the aisle, depending on which way you look at it. And he said, Benji, why'd you come? And I said, I want to know Jesus. And he said, this gentleman that's standing over here to the side is going to take you into this little room and he's going to introduce you to Jesus. Mr. Rick Elliott, remember him to this day. And we sat down in that room. I sat across from him and he said, do you understand what you're doing? I said, no. But I do know that I need Jesus. And he said, will you bow your head and pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. And I give you my life. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for rising again for me. I want to live for you from this day forward with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. He took me by the hand and he brought me out in front of the congregation and introduced me as a new believer in the kingdom of God. An eruption happened. A clap happened over another sinner who committed their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I've never forgotten that experience. And I'll retell that experience over and over and over again. Why? Because the resurrection has touched me. Jesus has affected me. And yet that resurrection moves me. It's the childlike wonder. Has that wonder disappeared in our lives? Have we forgotten the implications of a man rising from the dead? Have we grown ashamed of the transcendence of God who conquered death? Are we so caught up in reality that we have no place of mystery in our lives? Have we become so religious that we have lost the wonder? And yet we understand that God has not forgotten us, that God understands the human mind, he understands our emotions. He understands our feelings. Have we forgotten what it's like to have God remove the darkness and the coldness in our heart calloused by sin and we live in the light of the glory that has invaded our soul and has set us free? Easter is about being set free. Easter is about us coming out of our own tomb and standing there with our arms raised high realizing that I have new life because he is alive. That's what Easter's about. For me, there have been times in my own life the childlike wonder has disappeared. I've been bogged down many times with duty and effort and analysis. Exuberant wonder has left me from time to time. 
But my prayer is that we may recapture the Easter wonder and experience the power of Christ as if we're seeing for the first time this empty tomb in our life and we realize that he has risen from the dead for me. That when he said it is finished, he said, Benji, I have taken your sin and I have completed what all that I need to complete in your life, given you the opportunity to walk from this place, to be a different person and to live in this resurrected power. That's what he says to you and to me. How do we revive this sense of wonder? Wonder begins in the presence of Jesus regardless of our geography, regardless of our status, regardless of our age, where the Lord is present, that place is alive with wonder. Wherever you are, it could be on a beach watching a sunrise service. It could be inside a building of worship. It can be in your car. It can be in your home. It can be under your tree in the backyard. It can be wherever you are. If the presence of God is with you, it is a sense of wonder. It is a sense of power. It is the resurrected power that you're experiencing at the moment. As we become more aware of God's presence and we become more filled with that wonder, it's much like standing there watching the launch. Whoosh, right through us it goes. And it affects us from the inside out. And we sit there with our jaws dropped and we're sitting in silence because of the power and the majesty of God. The presence of God does that for you and for me. When they saw Jesus, their only response was to fall down and worship. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Is that your response today? To worship him. <laughs> When you and I encounter the living Christ, our only response is to celebrate his presence. And that's Easter all over again every day. It is the presence of Jesus that moves us. It's the presence of Christ that touches us deeply. It's the presence of Christ that affects us from the inside out. The triumphal understanding and the relational experience of our life to Jesus is about his presence actively involved in every sphere of our life. It becomes an experience to imagine that God will be present in our lives to roll away those stones from our hearts. Easter makes us want to fall at Jesus' feet with gratitude and praise. That's how you get to that point of recapturing that wonder. I've heard people say, Pastor, you know, I just, I just don't have that feeling that I used to have. Well, I can tell you, God has not changed. He's just as powerful as you experience it in this story of Matthew 28 of the resurrected power as he is at the very moment you make that confession. What has changed? Is it your sense of wonder? Is it your sense of awe? Have you become so calloused to the experience that you no longer have the jaw-dropping moment of silence and you don't feel the whoosh, oomph that gets right down inside you. The resurrection should change you every day of your life. That, my friends, is something you can't explain and you'll never forget. You experience it, you feel it, and it goes right through you. That's Easter every day. 
So I ask you, how has this Easter morning affected you? I firmly believe there's some in this congregation today who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength that, that woke up excited knowing that this is, your, this is like your rebirth day. It's the celebration of our birthday all over again, our rebirth day, because of what Christ has done for us. I firmly believe that. You have a joyous spirit, and you know it without a shadow of a doubt, and there's nothing that anybody could take away from you because you come to know the power of that resurrection, and you live in it every day. But I believe there's some here today that has lost their sense of wonder, has lost the sense of the exact powerfulness of the resurrection of Jesus in your life. Well, there's hope today. Hope that says, I can recapture it. And it just may be where, where you stand in just a moment as we sing or, or where, we, where we're at, right where we sit, is you can say, God, forgive me. I've took my eyes off the resurrected Christ and I'm putting my eyes back on Jesus today. It could be something as simple as that. Saying to God, God, I want to I give you my life all over again. I want to I start afresh, but this time I start afresh in experience, not from scratch. And I want, to, I want to know you greater. If you've never committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no greater time than right now. And I promise you the people in this very room is going to rejoice. There's going to be an eruption of, of clapping because they want you to come to know Jesus as they have come to know him. Don't be ashamed of saying, Lord Jesus, I give you my life today and I want to live for you. I want to, to be a person that loves you and makes you known to the world around me. Today, I want to give you an invitation, an invitation that gives you an opportunity to commit your life to Jesus. And for others, it may be a time of affirmation to where you affirm your faith and your love for God. A time to where you say, God, I, I want to I just fall in love with you all over again. I just want to spend some time at your feet worshiping. I want to see the resurrection in my mind again. I want to know the, the power of this resurrection every day. And I want to enjoy your presence. Give God your heart today. Give God who you are. No greater time than this day to let God roll back the stone in your heart and step forth from your tomb. As Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus. You have been given life all over again. Come forth today and let Jesus give you life all over again. Father, I thank you that you give us opportunity this morning to just relish in the fact of the joy of our salvation and the joy of the power of the resurrection to be reconnected to that wonder and that awe, to be re reconnected in the sense of that which goes right through us, that pierces our heart and shakes us all the way down from head to toe, that affects us and moves us and touches us beyond that we can explain. Father, I pray for each and every one, all of us in this very room, I included, that we would have a sense of, of recognition and have a sense of worship as we look to you as being 
Lord of this world and Lord of this universe and Lord of our life. Father, give courage where courage is due today. Give hope where hope is needed. And give life to that which is dead. Give light in the midst of darkness. We realize that you are our shepherd, you are our vine, you are our prince of peace, you are our mighty counselor, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.